So just as a side note before we begin, you may or most likely not notice that this podcast doesn't have as much of a structure as our previous episodes, and that's because we wanted this to be more of a story, a stream of consciousness, a conversation rather than anything else. Um, It's 20 minutes and we share our opinions and I guess our own conclusions, but this is more so supposed to be a gateway for you to explore this topic and a journey for you to come to your own conclusion. Um, So enjoy our stories, enjoy our conversation, and enjoy the lack of structure. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to episode three of Alone Together. Today, we're going to be talking about the idea of home and belonging, since those of us who can be are cooped up at home. We'll be asking, what is home? Does home necessarily have to be a place, a physical structure? Can you miss a home you don't want to live in? Why do we need to feel as if we belong to a home? So many questions, such few answers. (laughs) Dear God, we're pretentious. Okay, so on that note, I think let's just get right into it. Um, I think I'll start us off with some background about like basically our lives and our relation to home. So personally for me, um, I've moved to a new continent every three years of my life. Um, my foundational years were spent with everything changing, you know, transient and fleeting were far more normal for me than consistency. And I mean, I had no siblings growing up and friends wouldn't really last at such a young age. And so coupled with that, like, you know, with being an introvert, um, I just ended up defining home where mom and dad were. I had a somewhat similar life, though I haven't lived in as many continents as you, Sarah. I was born and raised in India, New Delhi, uh, and I previously have lived in California from second grade to the beginning of fifth grade. I, I moved to New York for college, and I interned in Paris one summer, and most recently I was living and studying in Milan. So quite a few places, um, but, I, but I've really been kind of asking myself recently, like, what, what does home mean? And um, that question was, was first, first came into my mind when my parents moved back to India, and they were telling me that, oh, Nina, we're finally going to go home. And, you know, having spent most of my elementary school in Palo Alto, I had an American accent at the time. I didn't speak Hindi. I wrongly believed that I was American. Uh, And then when I came back to this so-called home, uh, people end up calling me coconut in school, which is when you're brown on the outside, but you're so, so white on the inside. There was just so much I didn't know, you know, and from my language or from why people did things, why I had to wear certain things, why I couldn't wear certain things. I just... This was not home, this place that I had no memories of. Um, And when I was in in California, I know I missed India. But when I was in India, I missed California. So I was in this weird limbo for a while where I just didn't know what it felt like to be truly at home, to grow up in the same neighborhood and have childhood friends, which kind of made me wonder how closely do we tie ourselves to where we're from? Sarah, I guess you can start. Um, that's honestly a really difficult question because of the way I'd grown up. I don't know if I necessarily associated myself 
passionately with anything, but if anything, I felt Indian. It was in my name, it was in my values, it was in all the stories of the Mahabharata and Ramayana I'd read since I was a child. Um, and so even though the moving confused me, these little elements always reminded me of what home was and grounded me in a way. My name is Sara, which comes from the Hindu goddess Saraswati, who is the goddess of knowledge, wisdom, and, and music. And uh, that was, again, a big thing which influenced my character. And um, these little emblems always stayed with me regardless of where I went. But I wanted to know if you had a similar experience. Yeah, so my middle name is, is Durga, and that's one thing I never compromised on, which is the fact that I never Americanized my name. You know, I never said Durga. I would always correct people, at whether it was at Starbucks, whether it was a teacher. I would always say, no, my name is Naina Durga, you know. That's one thing that I love about our culture and something I wasn't going to compromise on, which is our names. There's so much meaning that we ascribe to our names, and I'm sure we'll have another part on that soon but um, my name is the name of a goddess Durga is the goddess of creation and destruction and it's very fitting for me because uh, my mom um, she had complications during her pregnancy and there was a fibroid in her uterus and um, somehow I in her words because she's such a loving mother she's like you destroyed that fibroid so that your brother could eventually be born and again this was a very poetic way to look look at all of this and my premature birth and all these uh, these things but this has always stuck with me it's I, I know that I feel very proud to be a part of this culture and have such a powerful name packed with with meaning it, it'll always stick with me um, Sarah what, what is something which has stuck with you so I guess there are two things. Um, my grandmother it was a professor of Sanskrit, and every time I would visit her, every time I would go ho uh, to where she lived in Lucknow, um, I would be told of all the stories. And one story in particular I will never forget, and every time I have to work hard for something, every time I'm struggling, every time there's a setback, I always think of the story of Eklavya. And it's a very short story. So um, in the Mahabharata, uh, Arjun was the greatest archer, you know, in all of India, probably. Um, and no one could defeat Arjun. Um, and Arjun's guru was Drona at the time. Guru is like a, a teacher or someone you highly respect as a teacher. But there's this boy, Eklavya, and he was an exceptionally talented archer. And he deeply revered Drona, this guru, this teacher. And um, he, you know, did everything to try and be as good of an archer. But Drona was worried that Eklavya would actually become better than Arjun. So he told Eklavya, if you cut off your thumb, I will be your teacher. Now, obviously, you can imagine, like, you can't do archery without your thumb. That's a pretty integral part of it. But Eklavya actually worked so hard that he managed to master archery and become a better archer than Arjun himself without his thumb. And so this idea of that nothing is impossible, there's no setback enough to deter the passionate, is something which I have grown up with. And I swear, like, every time or some hard obstacle in my life, um, stories like this will always come back to me. These stories defined how I saw morality, how I valued the importance of hard work. Um, and so it was, it's a really big part of me. Um, 
even though it's not something you know I actively probably consciously choose to think about every day subconsciously it's embedded in there and it will probably stay there um and I guess the second thing is I I wear a, a necklace it's um it's not particularly um, entrancing or noticeable. It's it's like just a small thing that I'm sure most people don't even know about, um, and it's it's tied to my name. It's tied to Shiva. It's tied to this Hindu mythology, which is so important to all of us. And as discussed in earlier podcasts, I'm not a very materialistic person. So if I lost anything, I I don't think it would break me. But if I lost this necklace, um. I don't know. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to do. I think it would actually break me. I I've tied so much emotion to it, um, and it just reminds me of the strength um, of my name. They're like these little things embedded in me, which have stuck with me, and they're Indian to their very core. And I I don't think that's um something that could ever be removed, regardless of all the moving. Yeah, I think I understood what it meant to be Indian at my core when I was away from India. Um, because when I was in India for the brief period in the beginning and then when I came back uh, from Palo Alto, um, my mom would make me take like Odyssey classes and Hindustani vocal um, music classes. And, you know, she would make, make me read Amar Chitra Katha and... and I would kind of not reject these things, but I just wouldn't think too much about them. And only when I came to college and I ended up taking these classes, sociology and psychology and all these cool classes on identity and culture and studying these things from an academic, theoretical, philosophical lens, they made me think more about my childhood, about my own identity in this more critical lens. And in fact, in my sophomore year, I did research on identity-based clubs on campus and asked the question, do identity-based clubs strengthen one's sense of selfhood and feelings of belonging? And my research was actually found that most more students than I had hypothesized felt oppressed, quote unquote, in a way, because the clubs that they were part of were, were performative and kind of aggressive in what it meant to be a part of this club, this culture. In these clubs, I found that there was no shades of gray. You know, it was either, okay, you speak like this, you talk like this, these are the events that we're going to have that was so stereotypical in a way that students who had hyphenated identities or who were from um, different generations, second generation students felt different from third generation or from first generation students and ended up feeling more excluded than affiliated um, to these clubs. On the contrary, though, I was thinking about how when I missed home the most, which is usually in October, November, uh, because it's Diwali and that's when my family sends me pictures of all the, these fun parties that they go to or things like that. Um, I I found that I I took joy in the same performative aspects that I made fun of. So like wearing salwar kameez on campus, which is something that I've never done even back home in India. Wearing kajal, bangles on campus or watching Bollywood movies in my dorm because I missed Hindi so much, the sounds of India. I really truly cannot explain why I did these things to this day I still ask myself why did those things make me feel better and, and felt like I belonged somewhere <laughs> that's so interesting that you say that and I think that's such a beautiful point because it's like you know sometimes you don't obviously it's very cliche you don't realize the value of something until you've lost it and then once you've lost it you realize how much solace it gives you how much 
kind of strengths it even provides you. But um, I'd actually like to further this discussion because it's getting pretty interesting. So this whole discussion is like assuming the need that human beings need to belong somewhere. I mean, like traditionally, human beings have lived in tribes and civilizations, and that's how we've grown. And anything we've, uh, you know, produced in humanity has been been because of each other but um now we live in the 21st century and human beings we've gone beyond nature in so many ways we set our own rules we have that power so i wanted to ask you nina like do you really think we need a place to belong like is that something human beings do you think we can outgrow or is it forever bound to the human condition Wow, these are very complicated questions that I'm so many anthropologists and social psychologists are asking themselves. And I I don't really have an answer to this. I think it's more like when I think about even right now, what is giving us most peace during this time is the fact that we're all experiencing this virus or COVID-19 together, perhaps to different extents, but the collective experience of feeling alone, of feeling afraid of what the future holds, we're all feeling our humanness right now. Um, And we take solace in the fact that, okay, like even our friends are kind of alone in this right now and I know what we're going through. And human beings, naturally, we love to associate with groups, you know, even if it's a school of thought or a religion or a discipline. Like, Sarah, I know that you identify with being an engineer, you know, that's how, that's one aspect of your identity that you affiliate with. And I'm sure you can speak more about that. But even small, cute examples, like when you see someone on a crowded subway wearing a hoodie with your high school or university's logo, then there's this innate sense of joy that human beings derive in going up to that person and connecting with them because of that common affiliation of that high school. Like, oh, do you know Professor X? Or, oh, what, what class of, um, what batch are you, you know? So I don't know. What, what do you think about this? Mm, I really like that you said that. That's a really beautiful thing. Um, it is like the idea of you said, like me in engineering, like as stupid as it sounds, I like derive a lot of like solidarity, connection, strength, whatever word you want to use from identifying myself as one and like meeting another engineer is like, oh my God, you do that too. Um, it's just, it's the idea of meeting people who share perspectives like you do, share passions, people who are potentially on the same page as you because you've shared experiences. Um, and I think that's a really cool parallel to make with the idea of home. Because the idea of deriving strength from a certain group is so intrinsic to us as human beings, you know? Like, maybe not all of us do it for a home or a geographic location, but all of us, at the end of the day, love to feel a connection with a group of people. Just as you said, when you see somebody wearing your university sweatshirt, or if you see someone, I don't know, who likes tap dancing, and you do too, or who likes Radiohead, um, it's like a connection you have with them. And um, as as small or li- or big as it is, it's so, I guess, entwined with the human condition. So I really appreciate that um, you said that. Anyway, um, I guess we have talked a lot about this idea of home. And um, it would be interesting to kind of hear like our concluding thoughts on this as a whole. Um, personally, I think I struggle with the concept of home. And I think I'm sure many people also do. It's it's a difficult topic once you're from somewhere but grown up somewhere else or um, moved a lot in your life just in general. But I mean, 
I think like on a on a rudimentary like very textbook definition level home is wherever you're rooted and that doesn't have to be where you were born but in reality like it's obviously a lot deeper than that um from an evolutionary point of view human beings instinctually feel a need to belong somewhere you know as we discussed with people with tribes communities civilizations whatever that is and we've worked together um some all of our greatest inventions as a species has been because of collaboration unless you're nikola tesla um and we've identified in communities for so long and i think a lot of people like myself at a time believed that i didn't need that but a couple of years ago, my mom had a function on Satyagraha. And Satyagraha is Mahatma Gandhi's belief of peaceful action, not of rebellion and violence and war, but rather strength and solidarity through words and, you know, peace. And um, this was a function commemorating this. And it was the first time I was wearing traditional Indian clothes in, in so long. Um, this was the first time I was properly singing the national anthem with a group of people in probably six years. They played a clip of Gandhiji being thrown off the train at Peter Maritzburg, which kind of sparked his um, revolution. And um, everybody, including myself, had tears in their eyes. It was the first time I had felt properly Indian, and I really welcomed that. Um, I had a similar experience because my mom is in government, and when I learned about our government's motto, which is Satyamev Jete, which means truth alone triumphs it was that same feeling of pride solidarity unity which i guess i was missing consciously in my day to day this is a like it's a complicated topic and i think it's possible to want to run away from where you're from but still feel attached to it i think it's okay to not be able to write your last name in hindi but still have solidarity towards your roots you know, the world has changed human beings. We don't live in tribes anymore and we're evolving. I've traveled my whole life and I'm not French, I'm not American, I'm not South African, I'm not British. But regardless, I value more than anything that I can carry elements of their culture, just as I value being able to speak Hindi with my Indian accent or wearing a Lucknowi chicken curry kurta or everything I've read from the Gita. I don't think anybody owes it to stay or love a place out of obligation, but simultaneously, it's essential for us to respect everything home has given us. You know, it is to say, hi, I'm Sarah, from, I'm from India, and full stop. I don't need to talk about all the places I've moved because I hope that the privilege to live around the world will show in my character. And that is the only way I know how to honor this life is to respect everything I've been given. Um, by the whole world, and especially from my country. Sarah, it is 5.06 p.m. and I'm emotional now, so thank you for that. <laughs> Truly, that's, oh, she's, this is, you are stunning, really. That was so beautiful to listen, and I almost don't even know what to say now. I would say let's just end this podcast here, but, um, the show must go, I don't know, we can end the podcast here. Um, I guess my concluding thoughts are just, from all of this, especially during isolation, social distancing, it's made me think about how I'm trying to make my own body home. Um, that is the only thing that has never changed. People have changed, people have left, places have been temporary, but having the strength to be in my own skin and my own body is something that I'm working towards. And 
whether I'm alone or surrounded by my family, I know that that is the one thing that I right now have the privilege to, to rely on. So trying to make my own body home is, is the concluding thought. So on that note, thank you so much for listening to our podcast for this week. And we hope that you are home wherever that may be and safe and happy. And see you next week. Hi, Nina. Um, this is Sarah. I'm including some bloopers at the end. I love you so much. Please don't kill me. <laughs> Why is this so funny? It's not funny. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. Okay, okay. I've got this. Okay. <laughs> Sad thoughts. Sad thoughts. Okay, okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> okay. 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 Get your shit together.